Good morning. How did you like the gospel lesson today? <laughs> it's one of my favorites, and those of you who did the women's book group on women's encounters with Jesus in the New Testament will recognize it as the first lesson that we discussed. I like this gospel not only for the feminist side of me, as I am a child of the 60s and 70s, but um, also because there are so many other things going on. We find Jesus retreating and withdrawing, taking refuge after having conflict with the Pharisees. Things are getting a little tense. Jesus has been doing many miracles, feeding the 5,000, healing the sick. But the Pharisees are getting a little bit unnerved, and they're finding things such as problems with the disciples because they're not ceremoniously washing their hands before they eat, which are, is of their tradition. So Jesus retreats to the far northern regions of Galilee and into a place that is considered probably pagan territory. And in my mind's eye, I see Jesus walking quietly, deep in thought, and his disciples trailing after him, watching him, trying to get a grasp of what's going on and what's happening. And out of nowhere, a woman appears, and she approaches Jesus, and that in itself is unusual. Only a woman of questionable repute would be so bold to approach a man and also be by herself. And Matthew also identifies her as a Canaanite. Now this is an outdated term even in Jesus's time. And when I was doing the exegesis of this passage, um, I found that a former Swedish bishop once remarked that it was like calling the Danes Vikings. This term, however, lets us know that she descended from a group of people who were the enemies of the Jews. They fought with the Jews over the Holy Land. And she identifies herself as the mother of a daughter possessed by a demon. But although Matthew clearly identifies her as an outsider and a despised enemy, she speaks to Jesus as if she is an insider. She says to him, have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. And by calling him Lord, she's acknowledging her trust in his divine authority. And by saying son of David, she is also identifying him as a person who will fulfill the messianic expectations according to that line of David. And this is more than his own disciples have been able to do. So this encounter happens outside and it's suggested that her cries are more like shrieks, shrieks and screams, and they're rather continuous. So if you can picture it, here's this woman approaching Jesus, really lamenting, and a continuous lament, and she's making a scene. And the disciples don't like it. Jesus is totally unmoved by this display, says nothing to her, but the disciples say, she's shouting after us, tell her to stop. And then Jesus says, and it's not quite sure whether he's speaking to her or to the disciples or both, but that he is here only for the lost sheep of Israel. 
So again, what picture do you see? They keep on walking. The woman's trailing after him, screaming for mercy. And by building up a boundary, by saying that he's only here for the lost sheep of Israel, he's really excluding her. But she doesn't give up. She's very persistent. And she falls at his feet on her knees in a display of worship. And I'm assuming that that makes him stop. And she cries out in a sign of faith and prayer, Lord, help me. She's absolutely certain that Jesus could help her if he was so inclined to do. But he's not inclined to do it. And he rebuffs her a third time. And this time, it's a true insult. When he says it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. Now again, depending on what commentaries you read for this passage, some of them want to try and sugarcoat this insult and say, well, he's really talking about dogs that live in the house, or he's talking about little puppies, trying to make it less of an insult. But a dog is a dog. Um, And anyway, I look at it as a true insult. Um, Yet despite this, she comes right back at him, and, and she's very persistent, and she says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. She uses the insult to argue against him, and he gives us a sense of abundance, that there is more than enough for everyone, Jew and Gentile. God's mercy is abundant for everyone, including her daughter. And after she says that right back at him, he finally addresses her, and he prefaces his response by calling her woman. And this implies that he's speaking with emotion. The other place in the New Testament where we see that is when he's on the cross and he's speaking to his mother and he calls his mother woman. And he says to her, great is your faith, let it be done for you as you wish, and he heals her daughter instantaneously. So he finally honors this woman with healing the daughter because of her confidence in him and her insight into the inclusive power, presence, and mercy of God. The woman has chutzpah, and she bested Jesus. And you don't see that very often. And in doing so, she changed the exclusivity of his mission to be more inclusive, to include the Gentiles. The image of this picture of Jesus is sometimes disturbing to some people because he's really not very nice. Some scholars feel that he was just testing this woman's faith, but perhaps we're just really seeing the truly human side of Jesus. We know that he's fully divine, fully human, and I like to believe that he did have bad days, and this might have been one of them. However, this Gentile woman was more than annoying, but it did change the focus of his ministry by her faith and her perseverance. Gail O'Day, who's a feminist theologian, states that Jesus was changed by this woman's boldness. The Canaanite woman knows who Jesus is and holds him to it, and she will not settle for a diminishment of the promise. She insists that Jesus be Jesus, and through her insistence, she frees Jesus to be fully who he is. So may this story of the unnamed Canaanite woman inspire in us her boldness, 
boldness of prayer, persistence of faith, despite the times when we have setbacks and when the love of God seems far from us, when we experience the silence of God, which we all do. This is where our faith enters and kicks in. This is where her faith entered. It's keeping hope alive, believing that God is with us working for our good and knowing that we are never truly alone. And may our daily lives serve as a ministry of this faith, that we're not afraid to cross boundaries that divide us from the rest of our brothers and sisters. God's love is not exclusively for Christians. And may we remember and bear witness always to the inclusive power, presence, and mercy of God for all. Amen.